Well, good evening, everybody, and we are certainly happy to have you with us this evening. This is a new time, and we're trying it out. Uh, we think it will work out quite good. Uh, we might move it a half an hour later, uh, since uh, due to the difference in time, that makes it, uh, according to what some people have said, a little better for some people. <clears throat> but um, we want to uh, uh, be expressive about... Um, the follow followers that we're getting, um, we've uh, we've got uh, you know some groups that are meeting in homes, and sometimes there, there's as many as 40 people clustered around uh, one um, unit uh, getting uh, the message, and uh, then uh, we have the um, uh, the automatic uh, recording now. So uh, shortly after we do our message. Uh, people can go in and they can record it. So we, I know there was a fellow called me and he said um, uh, he hadn't pre prepared for expecting the the uh, teaching to be uh, in the evening and he had made other plans, but he would definitely be listening to it on the recording. So I think it's really, really good, uh, the interest and the stirring, and uh, we've not really advertised it uh uh, to speak of, and uh, it's all uh, great that uh, that uh, you're out there. And uh, tonight, of course, the subject is in search of angels, and it's a big subject. And I don't expect that we'll possibly be able to finish it tonight. It will take two or three teachings uh, in order to really get all the scriptures out. <clears throat> tonight, I am mostly for the sake of smoothness. Uh, and um, uh, continuity, I'm mostly going to sort of just speak it out and just give a select uh, a few scriptures. Um, but the next time, Lord willing, I will then go into a more comprehensive depth and I will give uh, the scriptures uh, in, uh, in detail. So again, uh, hello, this is uh, uh, Dr. Jerry Lee, uh, standing in for the manifester. And after the broadcast, we will have a time uh, for doing Gentile, uh, generative touch for those who, who need uh, healing in their bodies. Uh, we are getting tremendous responses and tremendous uh, re uh, reports of, of outstanding healings. And uh, we are just thanking and praising God for what is happening. So um, here we go. Let's... Uh, Let's talk about an interesting scripture. It has to do with Abraham and Sarah. In Genesis 21.6, it says, God has made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. Now that, I find, is just an absolutely neat, sensational scripture. Uh, first off, what this is about is sometime prior to this, an angel had advised Abraham and Sarah that they were going to have a child. Well, they both were way past the age of uh, having children, and uh, it just didn't seem reasonable, practical, or uh, make sense. And uh, so it, it was just almost uh, questioned somewhat by Sarah, but uh, not by Abraham. He just, he just trusted. He just believed God could do anything. But later, after this angel's revelation uh, began to come to pass, and uh, Sarah got 
pregnant, and she had a child, and the name of that child was Isaac. And he um, was born at the time that Abraham was 100 years old. Now, that is a neat, a neat age. Uh, you know, we think of the 30-fold, the 60-fold, and the 100-fold. So uh, it's very, very neat uh, when we put the manifest revelation together with this 100 years and sort of tie it in to a special time in Abraham's life in being um, uh, connected and linked uh, to this uh, hundredfold uh, type of insight. And uh, this thing that, that Sarah says, God has made me to laugh so that all that here will laugh with me. Um, it's easy to dismiss a big thing in such a short little uh, few words uh, or uh, just in a short incident of, of expression. Uh, but these two went through a lifetime of living wanting to have this special child. And uh, it just seems like uh, uh, all the promises that were made about his children would be like the stars of heaven, like the sand of the sea, and uh, he'd be the father of many nations. It just seemed like uh, something ridiculous, you know, like it couldn't possibly happen. But, you know, uh, it did happen. And it happened when Abraham was, um, you know, was 100 years old. And then Sarah says, God has made me to laugh so that all that here will laugh with me. And I think that there's a lesson here for everybody here listening tonight. This thing about being able to laugh, being able to be set free. The angel started it. The angel triggered it. The angel initiated it. What would have happened in the life of those two had not this angel come along and said, here's what's going to happen. You are going to have a very special destined child. And and uh, this child is, is, is going to be, you know, blessed uh, with the ministry uh, and going to fulfill all these, these prophecies that have been given to you. And when it happened, when it was fulfilled, Sarah laughed. She laughed, and she says, I laughed so that everybody that heard me could laugh also. And that I find very beautiful. So I just wanted to share that with you in starting. That's the first angel thing we can think of. And then there was Jacob. And uh, one time he was sort of wrestling with the angel of his own presence. But in the course of that experience, and however you want to uh, model it, uh, the thing that came out of it was his name was changed. Because Jacob, you know, was quite an honorary little guy. And uh, even his name had uh, negative connotations. But the angel, knowing all of those things, changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And what a name. What a name change. Uh, what a broadening of perspective. What a um, charisma of many, many futuristic uh, promises and prophecies and insights. Uh, utterly Utterly fantastic. So there's a second angel effect. When we start thinking about all of the angel effects that have happened, uh, when we start putting them together from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is just absolutely uh, 
spread from one end of the scripture to the other with the appearances of angels, uh, with the oracles of angels, with the prophecies of angels, with the divine unction given by angels. Uh, it's, it's just amazing. And I think it's time for people to be in search of angels, in search of the kind of experience uh, that is outside of your own body, outside of your own viewpoints, outside of your own experiences, outside of your own confidences uh, to believe that a divine uh, entity interested in you and sent as a messenger by God to you could possibly still in this day appear to you and do something like cause you to laugh and cause everyone that hears you laughing and knows that you have maybe fought depression and you have been through terrible times of mental anguish and and difficult uh, uh, financial times, difficult family times, difficult uh, uh, times with business, um, that suddenly you're laughing and they know that you have won, that you have broken free, and it makes everybody that hears you laugh want to laugh with you. It's a beautiful thing. Well, in uh, 1 Kings 6, there was something I just read today, and I've read it before, of course, but I just wanted to throw this in because it just seems so neat. It's um, an angel had appeared to Solomon and gave Solomon um, a divine uh, design of instruction that he was to build the house of God. And um, in the first, in First Kings uh, chapter six, uh, it begins to tell the story of the building of this house, and and it was built with stone, and there was to be no hammering uh, on the spot uh, or or carving of the stones where uh, the the disruptive sound uh, would be in the. Um, area of the building that was going together. Everything there was to be like harmony, even as the stones were being put together. And the way it was built was very unusual, because um, within the walls um, there was the special little um, um, rest uh, clefts that, that were put um, uh, within the building uh, and they were used to um, support uh, these different um, uh, cubits of, um, of sort of like a pyramid uh, casting that was put inside the walls. Uh, the, uh, the, the first level uh, was seven cubits broad, and it had a porch on it. The second level shrunk in, just like a pyramid does, to six cubits broad, had a porch on it. And the third level was five cubits broad, had a porch on it. And uh, there were um, different chambers involved in the connection of all of that. And uh, this was called the nethermost chamber. And uh, it, it was where the oracle 
of God uh, was to be put was in one of those chambers. And, of course, in the usage in the scripture at that uh, uh, specific mention, uh, the oracle referred to the utterance of God, uh, a place within this nethermost chamber with this unusual kind of construction uh, that was specifically dedicated to the utterance of God. And um, I, I, I found that just a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. And uh, that temple, which was built by Solomon, uh, it stood until it was destroyed by the Babylonians in 586. Uh, these were all initiated by the word uh, of an angel as far as the building of, of, of that uh, temple. And uh, uh, it's only the failure of people that allowed... Uh, uh, we can we can think uh, in this way that in every single one of these instances uh, that are of an outstanding category, uh, they were put into effect by angels. If you go through the Bible and you start looking at almost every spectacular, almost every miraculous uh, event, you will find that it was initiated. Uh, it, it, it was initiated by uh, angels. So I, I want uh, to uh, to tell you that uh, this is uh, absolutely important, um, and um, it is something that uh, if you can get this down in your mind, even Jesus, when he came to the earth, uh, it was introduced. By Gabriel and 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 the and the other and many angels, uh, it started from the beginning to be involved with angels. Uh, when the Garden of Eden was closed, it was closed by two cherubim angels. Every major event of significant nature that has happened throughout the entire Bible uh, was involved with angels. And I know that people try to tell us in their religiosities, that, uh, you know, that's all past now, even though he did it throughout the history of the entire Bible. But now that Jesus has come and now the Holy Ghost, it's not necessary. But, of course, that's totally not true because angels continue to appear uh, right on after Jesus came and right on after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and we have the Bible to prove that. <coughs> so, we... You should look at the world today, look at your world, and you should be able to say, what's going on? Um, why am I not experiencing something of a divine nature like this? Why do I not see angels or have experiences with angels? Uh, am I so insignificant that there's nothing of grandeur, there's nothing of importance, uh, am I just out of the loop? Um, I think that, you know, uh, every person uh, has to consider and to, to look into, uh, you know, where, where they are at. Uh, it, it, it is extremely important, in my opinion, and this is just a, a beginning of, in the most simple uh, way of saying it, about the importance of, uh, of understanding angels. 
And we are going to get on some subjects tonight that might make some of your, uh, you know, your the hairs of your head stand up. I don't know, uh, but it's it, it's going to be things that you've often wondered about but never had the answer to. Uh, we're going to get into that. Uh, so hang and hold because it is going to get extremely interesting as we talk about these many many things that uh, uh, there are to say. And believe me, there is. Quite a list. Quite a list. Okay. Now, we want to um, we want to uh, think in terms of angels. Are there different kinds of angels? Well, of course. There's the Ophanim angels, the Cherubim angels, the Seraphim angels, just to mention three groups. And, and there are more groups than that. But there's three groups that are particularly interested in our galaxy and that are assigned as messengers to our galaxy, our galaxy in the sense, the one that we are in now and living, walking and have our being. And, um, and so uh, uh, there's groups of angels. And we know that there are, there are archangels and co-archangels, uh, which clearly indicates and tells us that there are ranks of angels. Some angels are higher than other angels in rank. And so um, that is interesting. We also know that angels can um, take on physical bodies. There are many scriptures we could give for that. I will not take the time now just for the sake of flow. But uh, there are many instances in which angels have appeared. They appeared to Abraham in a physical body. Uh, They appeared uh, to the parents of um, Samson. Uh, the, the, uh, this angel appeared in a physical body, and uh, there are many instances uh, in which they appeared. It really wouldn't quite work out to appear uh, in, a, in a sort of a misty form, uh, you know, or, or try to come, come as a butterfly and, and then have someone decide to try to capture you. Uh, it, it has to be a, a link of communication. And so to take on a like form as looking like a human being, uh, people can uh, come closer to being able to communicate and to understand that without just being uh, totally uh, terrified. And um, one of the things, however, because the presence and the vibrations of angels are so outstanding when you meet an angel, they are just so full of such powerful vibration. Uh, they are listed throughout the Bible different times saying, saying, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. They had to warn people that they had no reason to be afraid because people uh, would somehow just get terrified even though the angels didn't do anything bodily against them, warn them, or threaten them. They just appeared. But just their appearance is is so uh, different in the sense of uh, the purity of their faces, the vibrations that they emanate, uh, the strong mental uh, uh, aptitude that they have, that uh, when people feel that, uh, that charge of energy, uh, they, they are just dumbfounded and sometimes uh, scared. Uh, so a person needs to know this because as <clears throat> excuse me, you are in search of angels, you need to know these things so that you can set yourself up uh, to not be afraid by understanding the facts. And that's part of what this 
this uh, meeting is about here today on this thing about angels. And uh, so we're just going to keep talking because uh, uh, it's going to get uh, you know more and more interesting. Uh, so are, there are these angels, and they are um, they are uh, on the earth today. And uh, there's a lot of lot of reports from people who who claim they have seen angels. Now I don't necessarily believe that every person that says they've seen an angel has really seen an angel. Sometimes it's just they've had a dream. Other times they've had an imagination. Other times they're just a maker-upper. But uh, there are people that it seems clearly have had profound experiences and uh, most likely uh, have had some kind of an angel experience. And I applaud uh, their life for that because it is a benefit. It does add tremendous score to a person's life. And so that that, that is very, very important. Now, uh, I want to get in today uh, to understanding uh, about angels and, and about humans and and uh, where we relate uh, on the scale uh, to angels uh, and the importance of angels for our lives. Uh, these things, I believe, are part of our In Search of Angels knowledge that God wants the listeners to understand. Uh, one of the things that, um, you know, people often talk about, and this may seem to be off track, um, and uh, by the time I get through with this one, uh, you know, I might lose a few of you viewers out there. It may just be too rich for your, your stomach and, and your brain, uh, but, uh, you know, that's not going to stop me from uh, teaching the things that, that I know are, uh, to be truth. Uh, I'm going to just keep talking about truth, and then people interested can, can get it, and the ones not interested, we're certainly not putting any... Uh, condemnation on you for not uh, seeing or believing it the way we presented it. Uh, you have a right to believe things the way that you have the unction and the feeling to believe them. So I want to talk about people say, um, what happens when we die? When we die, where do we go to? What happens? Um, if we're bad, do we go to hell? If we're good, do we go to heaven? What happens? I want to talk about that. So many ideas about it are totally wrong. And they encourage the absolutely wrong things. Some churches teach that if you're a baby and you get aborted or you get killed or you die in birth, uh, that you immediately go to heaven. And uh, so uh, they paint the picture that you're far better off to die as a baby uh, because then you automatically get to go to heaven, and you don't have to go through any turmoil or anything. You just uh, you just win by dying at a baby's age, uh, and that is so ridiculous and so wrong and so incorrect and so um, screwball that it's hardly worth mentioning. But it has to be mentioned because you'd be surprised how many people actually think that that could be correct. Now, there's um. um many other interesting things along this line that we want to talk about. Uh, people say to me, am I going to know my, my mother and my father, my brother, my sister, my husband, my wife, uh, you know, uh, when I get over to the other side after I die? Uh, what, how does that work? 
And are they going to look the same? Are they going to look just like they did when they left here? And, uh, and uh, you know, well, uh, you know, if you're, say, your father was quite aged and, and uh, he was very sick and he was sick for a long time, just tormented looking. His eyes sunk in in the sockets and, and uh, maybe he had some abrasive type things on his skin from some of the long term of suffering and 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 uh, the offsets of maybe uh, medicine or who knows what all could have contributed. Uh, you know, if he's going to look the same, then when you see him in heaven, if those things are lined up the way some people talk, uh, you'd be seeing him just as he looked when he died, and uh, that might not be uh, very nice. Uh, so somehow most people think that no, uh, that he'll be he'll, he'll get younger looking, you know. Well, how young looking would he get? That's your father, you know, and he's like a lot of years older than you on Earth here. Let's just say that he's um, he's 30 years or 35 years older than you. You're one of the later children, and uh, let's just say that uh, that. Uh, uh, you know, or you could be 40 or 50 years old, you know. And then uh, let's say that, you know, uh, he dies and then you die. And then you think, okay, he's going to be made young. Well, how young, young is he going to get? Is he going to go back to a, a youth look? And then uh, when you go to see him, you'll be in a youth look. And so you'll both be like two youthful persons. And how will you recognize him then, this young person that's supposed to be your dad, and how will he even feel comfortable? Well, there's something wrong with that whole scenario. Something that is just not not the true story, and it's very confusing, and that's because it does not incorporate the facts of reality. And we want to talk about that, and if you stick on, hang in, you know, don't get blown away by all these things I'm, I'm going to reveal uh, you'll get to hear some incredible things like you've never ever heard before in your life. So, um, what actually does happen there? Well, we teach, and there's scripture for this, but I won't be given it, uh, but very little here today. But the next broadcast that we do this uh, continuous uh, continuum of this uh, message, we'll start really going into the scriptures. Um, what uh, your scripture says is that. Um, uh, there is a thing sort of like called debris. And, and when you die, you, you carry this debris with you that is the residue uh, that is sort of like a DNA, but it's, it's, it's different and more than that. And it, it has the story characteristics of your life and who you were and, and, and who your relatives were and some of the memory that you had. And you carry that on the other side for a a small period of time. And during that small period of time, you, you have that opportunity to remember some of your loved ones and some of your life. But that only lasts for a certain period of time, and then it dissolves and it goes away. Okay? Now, uh, uh, we will uh, we'll go into that in a little more detail, uh, and you'll find it uh, you know very unusual and very interesting. Um, okay. So um, let's uh, let's just see how that this this really does does work. Um, wh when uh, we talk about um, uh, dying and living, and we talk about uh, 
these things, we wonder, well, where where will people go, uh, you know? You know, like there's what they describe as the dead in Christ. Then there's the general dead. Then there's the dead in Abraham's bosom, as the Bible explains it. Uh, then there's the, um, uh, you know, the the uh, the memory dead, uh, and we can just go into all kinds of different categories, uh, you know, uh, just like we could talk about angels, and we say, well, there's good angels, there's bad angels, and there's fallen angels, and there's messenger angels, and uh, and well, are all angels messengers? Uh, uh, well, they're supposed to be, but there may be some that are not doing their job. Then they could be an angel uh, from the standpoint of the of the translation of the word messenger to angel in the Greek, uh, and then them uh, uh, being uh, characterized with that name because of that uh, translation. Uh, but anyway, uh, let's talk some more about when people die. Okay, uh, and you're really going to have to hang in there to get this one because uh, it is it is super deep. When you die and say your mommy and daddy's already dead and your brothers and sisters are still alive and other relatives, maybe children are still alive, and maybe... You die young, and they may not die for another 40, 50 years later. So in 40, 50 years of difference of time, will you be able to recognize and remember them? Will they be able to recognize and remember you? Uh, how does that all work? And, you know, uh, 40, 50, 60 years uh, difference seems to be like a very, very long time. And it makes a person really think about that. Well, I want to tell you something, and this is the fact, and this is the real way it happens. And if I have a chance to do the whole teaching on it, you'll be able to see that it, that it is real. But in the real, in the real sense of how it happens is that um, if you die tomorrow and your husband dies or your wife dies, Five years later, you will both enter eternity at the exact same time. Because the difference of time, and we're going to get into time, of the eternal value and the time of the earth and varon value is so significantly different and the dimensions are so significantly different that in fact for 70 to 80,000 years now don't lose your britches on this for 70 or 80,000 years of time everyone that dies during that 70 to 80,000 years will all enter eternity at the same time and that is the 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 promised time that was given uh, and mentioned in Psalms uh, of 70 generations. And this 70 generations equals each a generation of a thousand years equals 70,000 generations. And if by reason of strength there's, the person lives to 
the 80 type of, gener of generation, then it increases it to 80,000 uh, generations. And that means 80,000 years. And, and so uh, for all of that time, 70 to 80,000 years, everybody that has died during that whole concourse of time is going to enter eternity at the same moment. The rest of the people are all being held in the bands. And there's lots of scripture for that. And I'm going to show that to you uh, in our next uh, teaching. I'm going to put this all together with scripture. I'll give you some scripture today. But I'm going to show this to you, how that's going to happen. Because the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, happen at the same time in the world of the spiritual dimension. They happen at the same instance. So at the same time that somebody lives, that is the same time that they die. And, and someone says, well, that just doesn't make sense. Of course it does not make sense in the physical equation. But you know what? Even scientists now dealing uh, with, with uh, uh, quantum matter, uh, they'll tell you that that doesn't make sense either. Because quantum matter is not spiritual, but it's getting closer to the spiritual dimensional type of idea. And so it takes on some of those characteristics because of that. But we're all going to live and die at the same time as far as the spiritual consequences or not is concerned. Because the Alpha and the Omega in the spiritual dimension will occur at the same instant. And when you go over there, we'll all, it will all be happening at the same time. And that debris of memory will be on each and every person uh, for that proper length of time. And then the, 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 the bodies will move on up into the higher essence of the spirit. Because you will have gone over there in your spirit, not in your physical body. So that is an absolutely exciting and beautiful revelation. And it has to do with uh, time. Now, there are many, many instances in which uh, God has revealed that time, as God gives it, is not relevant as we understand it uh, comparatively in the physical and physiological sense. Uh, inspirations and uh, and instances of that began to be revealed as far back as in the book of Numbers and even before then. Uh, for instance, uh, in um, Numbers 14-34, uh, 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 Moses is receiving of, of the Lord uh, the word, and he says, After the number of the days in which you searched the land, even forty days, each day shall be for a year. And you shall bear your iniquities even forty years, and shall know my breach of promise. So he was showing that even at that time, for a particular circumstances, that days as human beings were looking at it, was equivalent to forty years. Forty days, forty years. So we see that the equivalence of, of time to time, the 
Daniel revelation of the time, time and a half times. The the 90 plus 10 being the hundredfold time, and and um, the 60 being the times uh, that was the second times, and uh, the 30-fold being the half times, 30, 60, 100-fold. And all of these things numerically uh, do come together, and there is a fantastic revelation in the numbers that are available in the Scripture. And, and of the sequences, and especially as we begin to looking into this uh, through uh, manifest revelation of logistical rhythmatics, and, and we begin to see this in the foundation of uh, lattice uh, understanding, uh, we will suddenly have the Bible open to us. Now, there was a time that Daniel and his um, uh, uh, friends, who were quite wise individuals, uh, they were just like wise men, and Daniel was too. In fact, they were, you know, active with the science of their day, and uh, and uh, that especially happened after um, the uh, Israel was invaded, and and uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were taken captive uh, to to Babylon, and they you know became part of the scientific team uh, of that nation. Uh, one time when. Daniel was in very deep uh, prayer, and he was praying and and trying to hear, you know, get a word uh, from from the Lord because he wondered, you know, how long, uh, you know, are are we going to be kept in back in, you know, in uh, to captivity? Uh, his understanding of the prophecies of Jeremiah and Ezekiel was uh, a, a a different accounting, and it seems like that those prophecies had failed because uh, that you know uh, it, it just wasn't working out in in the sense of that kind of timing well uh, here's what the Bible says as we are in search of angels uh, that while he was uh, praying and this is in uh, Daniel chapter 9 verse 21 Daniel chapter 9 verse 21. While he was speaking in prayer, and I read it, even the man Gabriel, now Gabriel also happens to be an archangel, but he's called a man here because he has taken on a physical body in order to be understood by Daniel. And he says, I saw him in this vision at the beginning, and he caused me to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation, and he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I am come now, uh, I have come forth to give you skill and understanding. Now, we've seen that the angels can cause or uh, be involved in destined birth, can make predictions and prophecies of that. We've seen that angels can be involved in changing your name, giving you a destined name. Uh, we see that uh, angels can can now be involved in giving you skill and understanding. People that have said, "Oh, I, I just I don't understand these things. <coughs> I just they're too much for me." Well, that was the case with Daniel. As smart a man as he was, he was having difficulty understanding the facts. 
He could not catch on. He could not break it down. He could not understand why the prophecies of Jeremiah, even Isaiah and, and Ezekiel, did not seem to fit uh, the rut that the children of Israel were in in their captivity in Babylon. And why they were being held their prisoners for such a long period of time. Just couldn't understand it. Well, um, the angel came. And um, he was praying. Maybe he was in search of an angel for help. Because the angel did come. And he says, I'm going to, um, I'm going to give you skill and understanding. I'm come to show you, this verse 23, where thou art greatly beloved. You know, it's really nice to be beloved. To be beloved by the angels, to be beloved by God, that's a really beautiful, nice thing. And do you know that angels, they, they love people. And they, they are sometimes assigned as watchers over certain people. And the Bible talks in, in I think it's the 18th chapter of Matthew, about guardian angels that are assigned to people. And these guardian angels, they, they love those people that they are assigned to watch over. They love them. And uh, Daniel was greatly beloved. And he said, uh, Therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. Seventy weeks are determined. Now I want you to really, really get this because, uh, you know, it's, it's quite the thing. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression, to finish the transgression, uh, and um, to um, uh, make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and the prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Whoa. Do you understand what that is? <laughs> Do you understand what I just read? That whatever these 70 weeks are about, they involve the determine and a determination for the people in connection to the Holy City, meaning the, the covenant and the revelation of the Holy City, to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins. Now, don't anybody out there try to tell me that's already happened because we've never come to that place where the transgressions have been finished and the end of sins have taken place. And to make a reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and the prophecy and anoint the most holy. Wow. Wow. Now, it's interesting that the term being used here is 70 weeks because it always had been prior to that referred to as 70 years. But the thing that the 70 years about was about was about the Sabbath. These were representing the unfulfilled Sabbaths that the nation did not keep. And they were going to have to finish these Sabbaths, not a Sabbath in the way that you have heard it commonly teached. A greater Sabbath than any of those. This is the Sabbath of the Sabbaths. 
the Lord's Sabbath. But these Sabbaths had, been, had not been finished. And the Bible speaks through Paul and other scriptures about God's people having not entered into the rest. They not only had not entered into this rest, this specific spiritual revelation, but they had not entered into actually being a partaker of understanding the meaning of the Sabbath and what that was all about. They, they didn't understand that whole story. They didn't understand the length, the width, the height, and, and, and the other expansions of Revelation. They just didn't understand it. And, uh, you know, in search of angels, that's what we're doing, is here today to review these things that have been missed. And why the angel Gabriel and other angels came and began to reveal these incredible things that had not been understood. He said that 70 years of Sabbath, this does not, no, pardon me, that 70 years that the people have to wait before they can come back is, is not the revelation. It actually isn't 70 years. First, it's 70 weeks. It's, it's, it's got to do with a week. And why is it a week? Because a week represents the Sabbath, Sabbath revelation. So it goes like this in this revelation that was being given by Gabriel. Um, it goes like this. Um, days are changed to weeks. And it is the same as years uh, are, are, are changed and designated to become significations of generations. And so you've got the Sabbath revelation connected to the generation revelation. And this whole 70 is all about that. And it's so extensive that uh, it's, it's just almost blows people's minds away when they really get a chance to hear this whole teaching. You know, but the term year translates to generation Sabbath, and the term day translates to weekly Sabbaths. And that change is not unusual. It's been going on just like I showed you back in Numbers, where the equivalences of one number to another, one date to another period of time, uh, are, are not equal in the sense of how uh, the normal activity is translated by, by humans uh, to an oracle that is translated by God. There is a difference, and it's very, very important. So later, and I don't have the time to do this today, <clears throat> but Daniel uh, is taught these other things, and he's shown these period of 1290 days and how that those things are changed, uh, you know, to weeks. And uh, the 1290 days uh, going the reverse equal the 1290 weeks. And and uh, how that, uh, you know, a year of weeks uh, uh, ends up uh, bringing it back to the, to, uh, the same uh, uh, number. And, and 
360, which is the Jewish year, Jewish year uh, accounting, is uh, the number that you use to end up getting this cycle of uh, of time to be put in the uh, proper uh, uh, signification uh, for what it refers to and what it applies to. So those are very, very, very important. So there is a Sabbath of days, there is a Sabbath of weeks, there is a Sabbath of months, and there is a Sabbath of years. So uh, is that Bible? Is that anywhere in the Bible? Yes, it is. It is in the Bible. And let me just give it to you. Sabbath of days uh, is in uh, Genesis 2. Uh, Sabbath of weeks, Daniel 9. Uh, Sabbath of months, Leviticus 23.4. Sabbath of years, Jeremiah uh, 25. And uh, those are just a, a few little touches of scriptures that are all for the purpose of bringing about uh, this revelation that uh, you need to know in order to really know how things happen. But when we begin to understand, when we look at like at 70, uh, you know, a thousand years, uh, which is the covenant that was given to Abraham, 70,000 generations. Wow! 70,000 generations, ladies and gentlemen. That is an incredible period of time. Absolutely incredible period of time. And that was given uh, to, uh, you know, uh, uh, by the Word of God. Uh, it, it was g given so that uh, uh, people would understand the revelation of it and would be able to apply it and understand it in a profound and living way. Now, uh, let's just hang in there because I've got so much to say uh, and you really need to hear this. I want to be able to at least get through enough of it uh, you know, to, to make sense, uh, if, if at all possible, and help help you to get into the deep of understanding it. Um, now, uh, you know, when, when we look at the scripture in um, uh, uh, in, in the New Testament, um, we see that the seventy uh, comes up. When we look in the Old Testament, we see it comes up. Uh, Jesus said a strange thing. Uh, when the disciple came to him and said, have a disagreement with a brother, how many times should I be willing to forgive him? Uh, he said, you know, maybe seven times. And Jesus said, seven times 70. That word 70 is an incredible thing. In Isaiah 23:17, said, it shall come to pass at the end of 70 years that the Lord will visit Tyre. She shall turn to her heart and shall commit fornication with all the kingdoms of the world upon the face of the earth. Uh, most people do not know that that when you have uh, ministers out there talking about, you know, the Antichrist being set up, uh, it's not even possible. It's not even Bible that it could possibly happen. Just like people that are trying to say that Jesus could come today or come tomorrow. It's impossible for that to happen. The Bible says that. But the Bible says that day cannot come except first, it said Thessalonians, first, that there is this great falling away. And of course people say, oh yeah, well that's, there's already been that. Mm -hmm. Well, not according to how it's describing it in the Bible. That if the falling away it's talking about is when the Antichrist sets himself up and people believe he's God. That has not happened, and that's the following way it's talking about. Also, it's talking about this thing that, that
that um, the uh, the son of perdition, the Antichrist, will set himself up, the false prophet, we, uh, we also call him, because there is a a more than coincident uh, of uh, of uh, phys- physical and and spiritual sharing of those offices, and um, when we begin to see that we have a correlation, so that uh, there, there's you know that that there's going to be there's going to be an antichrist sitting in the, in the temple claiming to be God. There's going to be a false prophet sitting in the we want to call it the League of Nations, uh, but that's going to be in set up in Tyre. And if you really get to reading all the things the Bible says about the King of Tyre and and all those things and what the meaning of that is, uh, that's talking about. Uh, a, a new a United Nations is going to be built, but it's not going to be called United Nations, and it's going to happen over there uh, in the area of the island of Tyre, and that's coming way, way up the road, but we've got, you know, uh, 70,000 years, we've got lots of time for all this stuff to happen, and, and of course, that's, I know, really tough on you people that think that the end of the world is going to happen, uh, you know, uh, in December of 2012, that's going to be real hard on you. But it's going to be a whole lot harder on you uh, if you're that serious in it when you find out that the world doesn't end on that date, which it is not going to. And that is a fact. Uh, and and uh, uh, when you find out that Jesus is not coming before then either. Because he, there are things uh, that, the, that, that Paul writes, he says, as to the coming, as to the coming of Christ, you know, the, it cannot happen until these certain things have occurred. And those certain things have not occurred. And it has to do with the rebuilding of the temple. It has to do do with uh, the setting up in Tyre and, and this uh, uh, false prophet being set up on the island of, uh, uh, of Tyre and this new world uh, uh, nation's uh, uh, port of, of uh, collective corporation. And... Uh, uh, and it says that uh, they're going to commit uh, fornications with all the kingdoms of the world upon the face of the earth. You know? And of course, if you interpret it that, the way some people interpret the word all, then that would mean that Israel was also going to commit fornication with them because they're part of all of the kingdom. We have to understand that when these terms like all are used, they are referring to a, a specific all and not necessary and necessarily an all-conclusive all. Uh, it's very, very important uh, to you know come to the understanding uh, of that. Uh, but uh, anyway, back to this revelation of the um, uh, of the uh, the covenant that was given uh, to Abraham. That this covenant is is uh, you know is going to last for uh, you know like a, a long, long time. I mean, it's going to last seventy thousand years. And 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 because because people get confused on the word generation, they think in terms that a generation, that a generation uh, is like maybe thirty years, because they are talking about a family generation, but we're not talking about a family generation here. Uh, we are talking something quite different. We we are talking about a a uh, life generations a life generation and uh, uh, here's an interesting scripture uh, Psalms 90 and uh, 4 for a thousand years in thy sight 
are but as yesterday when it is past, a watch in the night. Uh, a thousand years is like nothing to the spiritual dimension, to the spiritual side of God. And in the New Testament, it talks about a thousand years are as one day. Well, if you take a thousand years and you think of, say, for instance, a year using the calendar, uh, the Jewish calendar being 360 days, and then you expand that for a year, you know, and um, and you get let's ju let's just uh, throw these figures in. Say it's three hundred and sixty thousand days, and that's just one year. And then you expand uh, that's just one thousand year period. Then you expand that. Um, um, oh, and I'm not getting that right. That's just one. Uh, let's just take one year and and using this. 360, and then then multiply that by a thousand, and you end up getting the most phenomenal number. It is so so incredible, and and it is this these many thousands and thousands of days to just one day, just to just one day, so that the one day uh, that it says a thousand years to is is like to a day. That these all these thousands of years, which are of the each year being 360 days, are just like the smallest fraction, the smallest fraction to a to a to that whole uh, period of time. So um, in next next uh, uh, lesson, I'm going to uh, you know I'm going to balance that out for you, uh, but the but the Bible says. Uh, in uh, Psalms 90:10, the days of our life are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, a score is twenty, that'd be eighty. Uh, yet in uh, their strength and labor and sorrow, it is soon cut off and we fly away. Uh, we see how that number uh, comes up again and again and again. Uh, it is a very important number. You've got to get this down. You've got to hear carefully what I am saying, because this is all going to lead to a wonderful, absolutely beautiful revelation. It, it is so very, very, very important uh, that you do not, do not miss, uh, you know, this. Now, it says here in uh, Psalms 105, um, verse 8, He hath remembered his covenant forever the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. There's our thousand generations. And why do we say, a, uh, you know, a, a generation is a thousand years? Well, um, the Adam lived 930 years. He lived 70 years short of the thousand. And uh, that 70 years that is, was not lived, is being fulfilled by the, the, the people of Christ uh, to finish that thousand, because the thousand uh, is uh, the number of Christ. And there's some beautiful scripture to substantiate that. So this thousand generations is a very, very interesting meaning as to the depth of its total fulfillment, because it is specifically given you know, with the idea in mind of, of the overcoming of the of the seventy thousand being people that would overcome in Christ, the, the return of the Ophanim, the, the redemption of the Ophanim in those seventy 
thousand years. So it's just an absolutely beautiful uh, revelation that uh, cannot and must not be be missed when the fullness of this thousand uh, generations. And then in Galatians it says, the covenant that was given to Abraham cannot be broken. <coughs> so people can't come and say, well, that was the Old Testament. That's broken now in the New. No, in the New Testament it says that that is still valid and that covenant, that particular covenant, cannot be broken. The covenant of the thousand generations. So that is still on, ladies and gentlemen. And and the whole timetable of the timing and, and the differences of the dimensions. Now, in, in math and in science, um, uh, there is this theory called the string theory. And they are using this string theory uh, to create a whole bunch of new scientific ideas. And uh, it's a very complicated math, uh, very few of even the mathematicians and scientists uh, are really able to, to carry it through. Uh, I've done uh, quite a little bit of study and use of, the, uh, of that math and uh, actually have found it quite interesting, uh, but have some real problems with agreeing uh, with how that, they have, uh, uh, how that they have put it together. I found uh, personally several uh, weaknesses in it and, and what I consider to be errors. Um, but uh, uh, this thing that they did come up with, with all these different dimensions that uh, there needs to be, and, and this is part of how you can travel through space faster than the speed of light by having an understanding of all these different dimensions, but that these dimensions are extremely small. Uh, believe it or not, uh, long before the string theory was out, that revelation was in the manifest. And... Uh, uh, it is just, it's just uh, super exciting, uh, the things that are revealed in the Holy Manifest, and it's going to be real super exciting when the Peace Bible is, uh, Peace Manifest Bible is, is published, uh, when the rest of the books that belong uh, to the chapters, uh, chapters of the of the uh, Holy Manifest are published, and all the many other revelations, uh, uh, which have to do with incredibly new kinds of of uh, mathematics that are that are spiritually interwoven are, are published. That day is coming. Uh, we are working on it. The ark is going up the road. So in this revelation of what I am speaking about, the, in this string revelation, uh, they have garnered the idea uh, that there are these different revelations. But in manifest teachings, uh, it is taught differently. It says that for where we take the three dimensions, length, width, and height, for each one of those, there is a contra-dimension. So the length has a contra-dimension, the width has a contra-dimension, and the height has a contra-dimension. And so then that gives you right there, that gives you uh, six dimensions. And then when you add time, which uh, we did a teaching a while back where it actually listed four dimensions in the Bible, and one of them was time, and and then if you take time and add its contra dimension, uh, that gives you eight dimensions. And so when they come up with the ten dimensions, they are very close, but not exactly right on. But there are actually, and I, and of course I wouldn't even begin to try to teach uh, this particular revelation tonight because. Uh, just that one on the different dimensions uh, is is a book, 
but we're going to try to get into some of it, quite a bit of it, uh, over this course of teaching in search of angels. Um, you know, a lot of people have entertained angels unaware because they don't know what's going on on earth. They don't really understand the whole story. There is uh, interesting things uh, that are going on. And uh, praise God, uh, it's exciting. You know, it's exciting. Okay, so let us keep talking about this. Um, we have we have then uh, this this revelation, and we begin to see this uh, incredible uh, fusion of a spiritual time and a fusion of a of a physical time, and that uh, while they are only relative in the smallest sense, they are not compatible in the final. Uh, um, total of, of what <clears throat> they um, signature to be. And what they signature to be uh, it, it begins to show us that uh, what people have thought of as time uh, just being really short and the end of the world just being really short that is not what Jesus taught. They think that's what Jesus said. Uh, but Jesus said, you know, don't let these things trouble you. This is not the end. And people turn around, and I hear, hear them preaching, they say, yeah, when you see all these things, it's the end. And Jesus said, no, it's not the end, and don't be troubled about it. He said, this is just the beginning of sorrows. It's just getting started. You know, this is the alpha, this is the alpha not the omega. So, so people have not caught on to the word of God, and they, they forget that a lot of times when Jesus taught, that he taught um, uh, with, with, uh, he taught with parables. And that these parables uh, were intended to, in a metaphorical sense uh, to be understood by the Spirit. And without the Spirit, then it's just a story that relates in a different way than what the interpretation relates. So now we suddenly see something different. We suddenly see that it, when there are different places that people go when they die. Uh, but in the end, they are just being held in a in a a, a sense of uh, hibernation and in a sense from which they might make several different translations during that time that they are in suspension and and uh, as they, they as they uh, move into that transition, uh, they may be regenerated into another uh, life uh, way, way up the road, uh, you know, 10,000, 15,000 years from now. And, and uh, uh, people are going to just begin to really have quite a need to understand that uh, the, Jesus said in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. You know, there's all, they all ha have equal love for one another. They're all equal. Uh, uh, if you get into the regeneration thing, which is a wonderful teaching, there's incredible scripture for it, um, you understand that, uh, that in these other lives, you may have been married, uh, you may have several lives, uh, <coughs> <clears throat> Excuse me, and you may have been married in those lives and had children. Um, <clears throat> which of these children are you going to go to? Excuse me, man. <clears throat> Talking myself into a dither here. <laughs> it's all interesting. So, which of these, you know, which, which, uh, if you have been regenerated and there's another life, 
uh, and you had several kids in the life before, and then another 5,000, 10,000, 12,000, uh, 30,000 years up the, up the road of time, uh, you know, you have more. Uh, after a while, you know, uh, are you really going to, to have this uh, yearning to be able to remember and know each and every one of those? Uh, you know, you're going to come into a deeper knowledge just like Jesus taught in the resurrection, in the final end of things, when the when the omega and the and and the uh, the alpha have come together and become one, uh, <clears throat> what is really going to matter is the final who you are, what the what the collection of things that you have gone through has finally brought you into beingship of and what you have become at that time, and uh, and the idea being he then endureth unto the end, uh, the same shall be saved is the things that Jesus taught on that whole score. <clears throat> So, um, we begin to understand, for instance, <clears throat> the Bible says in the New Testament, it talks about the angels that, are, uh, that were cast into hell. And, uh, and uh, so people say, well, you know, when, the, when there was war in heaven and the angels were cast out of heaven, they were cast right into hell, and that's where they're still at. And then they tried to interpret that hell as the deepest Hades. But that is just absolutely all completely wrong, completely false, completely uh, not landscaped, uh, not uh, biblical, not spiritual, not of the Word of God. Um, uh, they absolutely did not go to, to Hades. There's only one time in the whole Bible uh, uh, where it used the word hell uh, as translated from the word Tartaru. And this Tartaru is, uh, has to do with incarceration. And incarceration is exactly where you and I are right now because we, we existed before the foundations of the world, Job uh, 38. And uh, when the scripture said, where were you before, you know, when the stars, morning stars sang together for joy, uh, you know, before the foundations of the world were formed, where were you? And um, about the 21st verse says, oh, well, you know, because you were alive then. You were there. And, and you know, that's just the way it is. We were alive then. We were there. And, and, uh, but, you know, we got involved in this entanglement uh, of war with this Lucifer thing. And uh, uh, we ended up uh, coming down into these physical bodies of matter. And these uh, molecular chains are all wrapped around us. We are in the chains of the darkness of this shadow life, uh, the human body. And, and so it is the Tartaru, and here we are in the Tartaru, and the th revelation that has to come is that we have to escape this. And we have 70,000 generations of time uh, 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 to have um, our full s uh, seven opportunities of which, which the Bible promises. Seven times 70. Uh, Seventy generations, we are promised, is our opportunity. And, you know, you may not live a, a, a generation in one human lifetime. You may live only a fourth of a generation. Uh, so, you know, you may have to come back four times just to get one generation lived. But whatever it is, the Bible teaches us that we are absolutely, unequivocally, guaranteed, guaranteed by the Bible that God is equal and just, and that everybody, every human being, listen to me, 
will have a time and a chance. That's the Word of God. Next time I teach, I'm going to break out all these scriptures. I'm going to show it to you scripture by scripture. It's in the Bible. It's in context. It makes sense. We're going to have a time and a chance, whatever it takes. And and the Bible says we're going to be around for so long that in Isaiah it says we're going to plant the heavens. We're going to be conquer uh, the speed of light. We're going to conquer traveling faster than the speed of light. We're going to be able to go out into space and, you know, our prodigy is going to be scattered all across the kingdoms uh, of galaxies. And uh, that's all intended to be that way. It's intended to happen that way. And, uh, yeah, we can look back like they did in the the older days, a hundred years ago or 150 years ago, and and think that telephones... uh, uh, chocolate, uh, you know, a television, <laughs> all those things were, were uh, satanic. Uh, but one day, sooner or later, the people that are of today saying that all these kind of ideas are evil will be understanding that they're just all part of the plan of God. They're all part of the plan of God. Now, when angels appear, and a person sees appear an uh, uh, angel, <clears throat> it may look exactly like an angel is standing in front of you. But most of the time, it's a photo transition. A photo transition is sort of like a hologram. And it looks real, and it looks like they, you see their arms moving, their whole body, you hear them talking, and it looks exactly like you could go up and touch it. But if you did go up and touch it, uh, it would be just like when Jesus said, don't touch me, I'm not yet ascended, don't touch me. He knew that if anybody touched him at that moment, because he was in a photo transition, that their hands would have went right through him. He, he was in a dematerialization. <clears throat> but sometimes the angels phototranslate themselves. And when they phototranslate themselves, they take on a physical appearance. And they are actually physical. And you can touch them. And they can sit down and eat with you. As did the angel that visited the parents of Samson. And then after he had finished eating with them, finished making the prophecy about Samson, he walked over to the fire, took his dish and put the scraps into the fire, set the dish down, and walked into the flame, and disappeared up in the smoke. That's in the Bible. In search of angels, is wanting to know all about these kind of things. How they happen, why they happen. The Bible says we, we entertain angels, unawares. That's why in search of angels, is the subject that we're on for these next few weeks, because it's time to be able to differentiate between the good angels, the bad angels, the fallen angels, the dead in Christ, the general dead, the dead in Abraham's bosom, and those that are still in the Tartaru. And all those things need to be known if we are really going to understand the meaning of the search for angels and what it's all about. And, uh, and there, there, there's just so much to say, so much to reveal about this subject and so exciting that there is practically no end to it. <clears throat> what people have not understood is that there are messages and counter-messages. Angels and counter-angels. Good angels, bad angels. 
We see that in Psalms 78:25, the Bible says, "Man, meaning humankind, human persons, did eat angels' food." And this was really incredible angels' food. It was um, scientific, molecularly put together in the highest sense of a group of very advanced angels. And this food was of the nature that it was um, it was it, it, it was programmed so that on the Sabbath day it would just go bad. It would it would just it would just not be edible. And it would be a hundred percent dependable. There's no other food like that on the, in the world that that is naturally keeps the Sabbath. But this food was programmed so that it did, and it was sufficient so that it gave the people uh, uh, of Israel who were in the wilderness uh, substance to live and, and to be able to endure during those 40 years in the wilderness. So those were good angels that revealed that marvelous food. Then it talks about in uh, Psalm 78:49, the same chapter, that there was a time in which the anger of God... Now, in the Manifest Bible, it is interpreted different than that, but it still gets to the bottom of the same meaning. But in the Manifest Bible, uh, it doesn't talk about God getting angry. It talks about people who disobey, uh, bring the anger of God onto themselves, not that God suddenly gets anger, but that God, when the universe was made, there were lines of division between good and evil. And God set in place that that you would reap what you sowed. So when people sow their own uh, um, transgressions and their own evil, uh, then that's the part of the creation that's the creation of God uh, that belongs to, you could say, the anger of God. Because it was all set so that there could be a will, that people could decide uh, on the right hand or the left hand, on the good side or on the bad side. And they had the will to make that decision. And for them to be able to have that, those things had to be set in place. And so we have on the one counter side uh, the angel's food that man was able to eat. On the other side, uh, chapter 78, 49, verse 49, it talks about the the anger and indignation uh, that caused uh, there to be uh, evil angels sent among the people. Evil angels. So there's good angels, there's evil angels. That's chapter 78 of Psalms, verse 49. Look it up for yourself. There are evil angels out there, ladies and gentlemen. Evil angels. And they exist. And we have to be able, in our search for our search for angels, we have to be able to differentiate between the good angels and the evil angels. You know, which ones are which? And let me let me show you another scripture uh, that is absolutely sensational. Let's look at um, let's look at the scripture in uh, in Jude uh, four. Let's let's look in in Jude. That is the little teeny book 
just before the book of Revelations, like at the end of the Bible. Go to the book of Jude. Let's just take a peek at that because that is very interesting. So in the book of, um, of Jude, and I'm going to read this, and some of you that really haven't paid any attention to this are going to just be shocked when you hear it because it's quite an amazing uh, thing that it says. <clears throat> so, uh, are you ready? Are you ready to hear this? Well, I hope that you are, because uh, you need to be. In the fourth verse of this one chapter of the letter of Jude, it says, For there are certain men who crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained, to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's another counter force. People coming in as human beings. Uh, these could be walk-ins uh, or these could just be people that uh, were born uh, and but that are that are not really uh, natural-born citizens, natural-born humans. They're born in the sense of it being a natural birth, but not in the sense of it being a uh, DNA continuum uh, uh, with all of the, uh, the character of the parents coming forth, but instead the character is a jump of the genes going way, 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 way back in ancient time and they are like being born. They lived anciently. And they were foreordained to be born in a later time. And their job was to be born at a time that they were just to be involved in condemnation. They are ungodly men. They are, they, their job is to turn the grace of, of Christ, the grace of God, into evil. And to deny Jesus Christ. That is their job and they were destined to do this and were born at the time they, they were born for the purpose of being there at that time. Even though these are ancient persons that had lived in an ancient time, they came back. And, they, and you read it. Get in the Bible and read it. It's there. And, and this is a, a counterforce. Now, if we read on, and like we go to the ninth verse, we see a difference of how the good angels act and how the evil angels act. Like in the ninth verse, it says, Yet Michael, or never, Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. But he does not bring any railing accusation, just said, The Lord rebuke you. So many people are so involved in accusations and making their points. But this greatest archangel, one of the, one of the greatest archangels, he doesn't do that. He says, sort of like Jesus, get behind me, Satan. I'm not listening to this. But he doesn't make any charges. He doesn't make any accusations. That's the way the good angels operate. But now the bad angels, the bad guys... Verse 10, they speak evil of those things which they know not. 
but what they know naturally as brute beasts. In those things, they corrupt themselves. Wow. Here we begin to see the two-dimensional aspect of the good side and the bad side, the evil side and the good side. Uh, this is really important things. Now, in chapter 2 of Second Peter, in chapter 2 of Second Peter, it says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, that word right there, look it up in Strong's Dictionary Concordance, Hebrew Dictionary Concordance, 5020. The word is Tartaru. And the word is right, but the one explanation about it being the deepest Hades, that, of course, is not right. But Tartaru is incarceration. It's the only time, the only time that that is used in the New Testament. It's the only time. And it's talking about these molecular chains of darkness that we have in our body. Tied right into the fact that God spared not the old world, but he saved Noah. Wow. Wow. These are, these are so important uh, to absolutely put together and have a connection to that I can't uh, hardly emphasize, emphasize it enough. It is just absolutely important. Chapter 2, 2 Peter, verse 10. But chiefly uh, them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanliness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels which are greater in power and might bring not railing accusations against them before the Lord. Once again, that's a verification of the scripture in Jude. We must be so careful, ladies and gentlemen, how we are making accusations and making statements, especially in this day of disinformation. You cannot really trust the, the news media uh, to the fullest extent, and you know that. You cannot trust uh, political uh, uh, aspects to the fullest extent. Um, you cannot trust people that are involved in uh, making views on something if at the bottom of their presentation money is, in, is a part of the uh, connection. So, better off not to make a lot of judgments and a lot of railing accusations. <coughs> Best off to be like the angels, the good angels. They just don't get involved in making those accusations. They, they, they make their rebukes, but they don't make their accusations. Wow. Those are such important things. They are so important. This, you know, oracle in the nethermost chamber that I talked about at the beginning, this sort of like pyramidal building inside of uh, this house of God, uh, place of oracle utterances to God. Uh, those kind of things are are just so absolutely important, so absolutely uh, timely to, to understand in the full sense uh, of the revelation of God. Uh, if you wanted that scripture about the watchers, 
because angels were called watchers. I mentioned that. That's Daniel 4, verse 23. And, uh, you know, we, we're, we're going to want to uh, just get into so many uh, revelations and scriptures of this whole thing. Uh, and we're going to want to understand. You know, um, I want to read something out of the um, Seven Thunders Speak book. Um, in this book, on page 144, it it gives the name symbols of the Ophanim angels and their numerations. Uh, it shows how that one flash consists of one angel, a link consists of ten angels, a cell consists of a hundred, one dorm consists of a thousand angels, one legion ten thousand, one host a hundred thousand, one troll uh, it c- consists of, of ten million, uh, a troll wheel is a thousand million, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a billion angels. And an alpha wheel is 100 billion. And one biome wheel is a thousand billion, equaling one trillion angels. And we are showing in this revelation of, uh, of how that they're, uh, the, from Bible scripture, that, uh, Revelation 5.11, that there are one trillion Ophanim angels. And uh, uh, interesting that right now that word trillion is coming out a lot uh, on the uh, political scene. But uh, there are leadership uh, titles uh, for these angels. Chief Prince, First Archangel, Governor, Co-Archangel, and Captain of the Host. Uh, And there are different kinds of accelerations uh, that they use in, in the 12 circuits of the Soundtron. The Urim acceleration, which is first circuit. The Thummim acceleration, uh, like in the Urim and Thummim, perfection of lights. And the Sheen accelerations, the third circuit. So it just goes on and on and on with all of this revelation. Uh, and and uh, all of these things uh, can, can be backed uh, with scriptures uh, in the most... Uh, unique and and, uh, satisfying ways that uh, can hardly even begin uh, to be be imagined. There's just such a promise. There's such a beauty. Uh, It it is just such a wondrous time uh, to be able to come into these revelations. We know that Revelations 12, 7 through 12, Revelations 12, 7 through 12 says, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon fought and his angels prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, the old servant called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast into the the earth, and his angels were cast with him. So we know that these evil angels, which it spoke about being able to go around, that they were cast down to the earth. And um, the people that were willing to take bodies, uh, which it describes in in Romans, uh, they are the people that, although they do not remember who they were, uh, they are the ones that that have this opportunity for salvation. But the demons who refuse to come and take these bodies, refuse to admit their heirs, uh, they they uh, do not have that opportunity of salvation at this point, and uh, but you know they still try to achieve a fulfilling it 
by demon possession. Getting into a body and possessing, possessing the demon, or the demon possessing the body, rather, so that they can say on Judgment Day, uh, well, I took a body, I was in a body, I was in it for years. I possessed it and controlled it, and of course they will find out that that, that doesn't uh, uh, match the script, that doesn't work. But, but uh, the point that I'm getting at, there are these evil men, petitious evil men, that are from before, of ancient times, that come back, they live again. Uh, that is one kind of, of a different kind of fulfillment that they take. They are sort of like evil, the counter-proto-Ts uh, of, of God's side. God has good proto-Ts. And these are people who are sent as uh, dignitaries, like the angel in the book of, uh, of uh, Revelations that mentions twice, where this angel was revealing all these incredible things to John the Revelator. And John was just so absolutely taken, he fell down to worship this angel. And this angel said, what are you doing? Stop. Don't worship me. I'm one of you people. I'm just like I'm one of you. Don't, don't worship me. Worship God. And, and so this prototee, uh, you know, uh, had a special kind of calling. But there are prototee on the evil side. And then as we get on up into these 70,000 generations, there's going to be... Uh, there's going to be the uh, uh, what's called the um, uh, in the Bible it calls it the locust. It's the locust family, uh, but you know, we we call them the mantis people. And the Bible says that these people are going to invade the earth. They're going to invade the earth, and you know there's going to be another war, a war of the the good prototype people against the bad prototype people, a war of the good angels against the bad angels, and then. Uh, the 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 uh, uh, a, the angels and their um, various kind of creative uh, 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 you know robot type uh, of individuals that they made uh, some of these that they made look just like humans like I hear people talk about you know they've seen these little men on the flying saucers and they think that those are the aliens that have come and that's what they look like and that isn't true or correct in any way whatsoever. And you're talking to someone right here, you're listening to someone right here, uh, whose family and myself have had incredible experience. And, and we know what we're talking about. And th these, are, these are more like, uh, 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 you know, androids. Um, and uh, they are um, uh, like uh, robotic uh, type of, uh, of um, androids. Uh, androids. I'm trying to get the word right here. Androids, and uh, uh, they have flesh bodies, and they have a certain human look, but they're 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 not humans. They're they're like androids or robots, and uh, and, and they're flying these uh, ziths, and uh, and uh, but there's evil, evil um, uh, craft out there, and. Uh, uh, they're being blocked from coming, uh, but they're able to, to, to do things through phototransition and to where people uh, see these uh, photonic and pho, uh, um, phototransition images um, and that are like holographic and seem so real. And to these people, you know, it's a real thing that is really happening now. Uh, but, you know, they don't understand the revelation of the photo transition. 
So there is so much to teach about. There is so much to say. There are so many different subjects that we could go into along the line of this incredible revelation. But I think one of the greatest revelations that I've shared with you today is the fact that that when we come to the final settlement of time, after the 70,000 to 80,000 generations have been used, and, and the just that is going to be just will be just still, and the saved that are going to be saved will be saved still, and all those that are going to be redeemed will be redeemed, and all else that are not going to be, they are past being redeemed at that point, and, and, it, and it closes out the time of the, uh, the Ophanim, <coughs> and uh, uh, it, it, uh, all those Ophanim uh, are going to come into this, like crossing over from the earth life to the spirit life at the same time. Alpha and Omega is going to meet at the same time. And for a short time in this debris, they'll have memories of, of the marriages and the, the, the families and all that. And then that will dissipate. And then they will go back into the memory of when they were Ophanims. And finally, as I begin to bring this to a close, uh, the other part that will begin to be done, the Ophanims then will regather themselves and they will begin the creation of, of the human beings whose names have never been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. All of the Ophanims, all of their names had been written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundations of the world. That's all through the Bible. But this new creation that they will make, which was attempted to be made in the beginning before everything got exploded by the, the Satanic thing, the Lucifer thing, uh, they will go back on uh, into creation and uh, and will be greater than the the four genetic rivers, the Hedekel, the the Euphrates, the Pison, uh, all the Gihon, all of those genetic rivers, which are actually these kind of people that they are finding that lived millions of years ago on this planet. Those are the same people that the Bible told us about that lived. They did not have souls. These new creations that are going to be created by the Ophanim will not have souls either. But they will have an opportunity to develop and to get souls. Right now the Bible says their names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But that's not going to happen until after some final battles and final war takes place with the forces of darkness. And there are those leaders, and this is my close to my final uh, uh, final uh, topic and, and mention that are among the principalities. A principality is like an archangel or co-archangel. And they are called a prince. And that's part of the word principality. And uh, it depends on how much uh, many thrones they have. In the the New Testament it talks about powers and principalities and thrones. Well, these thrones refer to these archangels that have been cohooned. And uh, you that haven't been reading uh, my book, you wouldn't know what that means. But, but it's a special way where, where spirits are joined together and, and uh, uh, it, it um, uh, becomes two people become one or ten people become one. 
and they co-own. And it makes, makes uh, uh, in the cases of archangels, it makes them uh, stronger. And, and it, it has to do with how many thrones that they have. And the Bible talks about, even with the, the uh, spiritual thrones, it talks about there being this throne in which all the people will sit in this one throne. So that same idea is incorporated of the Cahoon uh, oneness. And it's a big uh, in discussion in the book of John, the Gospel of John. So here we are at the end of our session. We want to do some Gentile and some prayer here for uh, people that have needs uh, before we close this broadcast. Uh, uh, the, the Spirit of God is present. I can I can feel it. Uh, I'd like to I'd like to um, deal with people that are having problems sleeping. Uh, people that are, that are having problems with um, uh, their nerves uh, and are just under stress. And they need uh, relief from the stress, relief from the nerves, and they need to be able to relax and be able to sleep and get their rest. Those are the ones I want to work on tonight. So if you will just try to be as quiet as you can, as attentive as you can, uh, it is totally possible that other kinds of healing will take place even when I'm specializing on a particular thing because even the Gentile itself opens up the channels in the, in, in the human biology and human system. And many, many times it's enough to loosen uh, hormones so that they become active when they have, when they have been dormant. And, uh, and that certain uh, 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 kinds of um, receptors that have been sealed off and closed uh, suddenly open. We get reports like this all the time. So here we go. We're, we're, if you have problems sleeping, if you are having problems um, um, you know, with, with um, stress and nerves, uh, we're concentrating on you right now. And uh, I want to say this. Uh, if you have to drive home, you're not home now, uh, and, and uh, we're going to ask that if there's any people uh, that are going to have to drive, that the, the effect does not uh, come on them till later tonight. Uh, so I'm going to ask for it to come on uh, at uh, two hours later this evening. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary to hypothalamus to thyroid, to the lymphatic gland, to the parasympathetic and sympathetic neurotransmission system. Begin to send messages through the neurotransmissions. Uh, begin through the corpus callosum, down into every hemisphere, and all of the front and lobes and rear lobes, uh, to all of the various uh, mental aspects. Begin to send messages to the left hemisphere, to the stress center, uh, creating anti-stress hormones for the purpose of canceling any stress hormones that arise. This is emphatic. Begin the process instantly and begin the conversion processes to putting these chemistries in place immediately. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary to hypothalamus to thyroid, to the lymphatic gland, uh, to the immune system, which is the same, uh, begin to increase uh, those particular kinds of energies uh, that are needed in the body uh, to uh, eradicate uh, stress. Uh, I, I will deal here uh, with some of the 
deep-seated uh, kinds of, uh, of uh, energies that are available uh, uh, from the very deep of the solar plexus uh, begin to uh, bring forth uh, those uh, fluids, uh, which I call uh, prim fluids, uh, that that uh, uh, are in that area and begin to send them uh, through uh, the body uh, uh, across uh, the synaphysis, uh begin to deal with them into the hormone sector and uh, begin to uh, uh, make any of the keys that are the wrong color or the wrong shape to begin to uh, be transfigured into the right shape and color and for the receptors to open to them. And, and so that this problem with this stress and this nervousness can be nullified. Uh, begin to release in the body uh, whatever kind of um, vitamins uh, that the body senses are needed, but there have been blockers. Uh, we now lift all of the blockades. Uh, we now lift any kind of, uh, cons of, of construction uh, or blockage that uh, has uh, kept these uh, uh, liquids and chemistries from flowing. Uh, they are now closed and cannot open back up. Uh, begin to deal with this uh, for the body uh, uh, so that the, the, uh, the time factor uh, note in the brain uh, for light and darkness for morning and night uh, is <coughs> rewound and uh, and uh, that the uh, the uh, biological sleep comes up so that in about two hours uh, this emphasis will begin to deal through the brain circuits and will come up and begin to affect the person to be very relaxed and very deeply uh, deeply uh, into a feeling of just uh, being uh, wanting to stretch out and just wanting to sleep. Uh, if there's any inhibitors, if there's any blockers, they are now canceled. Okay, that's it. God bless you. We so enjoyed your company. I'm going to be uh, flying out of here Tuesday for California. I won't get back until the 29th. But we may, uh, you know that you can uh, go into the Starrise community and you can uh, just click on and you can replay. Uh, we have the recordings of some of these uh, broadcasts. We'll eventually have them all on. Uh, the one we did tonight in another 10-15 uh, minutes will also be on. You'll be able to play them back. People have said, when you do uh, Gentile and it's recorded, is it still effective if that's played and heard? And yes, it is. We're getting reports from people that are listening to these recordings and are having tremendous healings. It's your time. It's your day. God bless you. Keep you. Go before you. We love you. Until we are here again, uh, we'll notify you by email the next time we're going to be live. God bless. Goodbye.